Big Show Hour 4 continues, and we go right back down that Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. We're heading back to Nashville, and we're joined by Andrew the Hustler Patterson, host of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, I know he's got to get to the Gabe Velarde conference call here in a little bit, but uh, thank you so much for uh, taking some time out of your morning. Hopefully Nashville's been treating you well. Hey, Patrick. Yeah, no problem. Great to talk to you. And uh, yeah, it sure has. It's been, uh, I mean, certainly for those of us that uh, cover the Winnipeg Jets, it was uh, a lot was anticipated. Uh, we got a big move yesterday made. And yep. that, now today it's showtime, not just for the Jets, but um, all the teams in the National Hockey League and, of course, the scouting staff that have been building up for this day for the last 365. Yeah, this is their Christmas for sure. We've already got a trade this morning, Ross Colton, to the Avalanche. Uh, yesterday was crazy. We'll start with the big one. Uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois heading to Los Angeles. Uh, were they dancing on Portage in Maine with that return? Well, to be honest, I couldn't tell you. I know, you're there. I will say the, uh, you know, figuratively speaking, of course, uh, I think uh, Winnipeg Jet fans are pretty pleased with the way this turned out. I mean, first and foremost, I don't think anybody wanted this to drag on any longer. And uh, from, you know, from all reports, the Winnipeg Jets feel that they still have a team with the core, you know, including uh, Kyle Connor Mm -hmm. and Josh Morrissey, Nikolai Ehlers, that, you know, that can be competitive. And they did not want to you know, lose a player of Dubois' caliber without, you know, having some quality NHL players coming back in return. I mean, the focus wasn't as much on futures, per se, as Mm -hmm. far as draft picks go. But, you know, with a smaller Canadian market, what you do need to get is talented players under team control. I think Shuttle Day Up did a great job of that. I mean, Gabriel Velarde coming off a breakout season with the Los Angeles Kings, a former 11th overall pick, has four more years of team control. Mm -hmm. Um... So, I mean, so that in itself was big. And, I mean, he only had four less goals than Dubois in about uh, eight less games. So um, the hope is that you know, he's a little bit of a different style player, more of a finisher than, uh, than Dubois is. Um, but he'll be able to come in and slide right into that top six and continue to produce for the Winnipeg Jets. And Alex Iafal is a pretty intriguing player as well. A really good two-way player that's sort of a tweener in between, uh, you know, the second and third line. He'll have a nice spot. And then Rasmus Kapari coming over. This is a guy that was another first-rounder that just, I mean, he's had really good numbers in the American Hockey League and for whatever reason has not really popped at the NHL level. I think he'll really benefit from a new opportunity and maybe more playing time and a Mm -hmm. chance to really show what he could do in Winnipeg as opposed to maybe what he got in uh, in L.A. And I can tell you from a Jets perspective, Considering all the smoke and bluster there had been from Montreal Canadiens fans yeah. over the last year, <laughs> that the Jets were going to be forced to take 50 cents on the dollar from the Habs, or he was just going to go there for free in a year as a free agent, the fact that Chevalier somehow managed to get Montreal's 2024 second round <laughs> pick was a little bit of a was a little yeah. bit of cherry on top for Jet fans. I'm not going to lie about that. No, that is absolutely uh, definitely a little cherry on top in this trade. After uh, Montreal was just going to say, "Yeah, we'll give you futures," but no, Winnipeg, like you said, they need they're in a market that they need to stay competitive at least right now, especially with their core going forward. Now, uh, the core could be set to get a little uh, more rattled up here as we go uh, with uh, with the moves of maybe Blake Wheeler possibly being bought out before Friday or traded. And then there's the stories of Connor Hellebuck and Mark Shifley. Uh, I know Elliot Freeman says he doesn't think anything's on the front burner for Hellebuck right now, but maybe what are you hearing uh, on those uh, on those stories for Wheeler, Hellebuck, and Shifley? 
Well, you know, certainly the focus over the last couple of days had been Dubois. And I think that now that the Dubois trade has been made and they understand and have concrete, uh, you know, have concrete package come back to the players, I think that allows Chevalier off to, um, you know, maybe kind of clear his ask for a player like Hellebuck or potentially Shifley. But it's true. I mean, certainly when it came down to the interest in the players involved, Dubois was at the top of the front burner and, and Hellebuck a little less so, which I think to some people maybe is a little surprising because mm-hmm. of you know what he brings to the table. But the goaltending market is, is a little strange right now. We just saw Aiden Hill come off of uh, yeah. out of the press box to win a Stanley Cup. Uh, and there's a lot of teams right now that are sort of more comfortable going with a bit of a tandem. Hellebuck is a workhorse. Oh, I mean, yeah. he's a guy that is going to play 60, 65 games a year and you know what you're getting each and every night from Hellebuck. He still has a great value. And the Winnipeg Jets, um, much like a Calgary Flames team, I mean, other teams in this situation cannot just trade guys for the sake of trading yeah. them to get whatever. Um, and, and you know what? I think Chevrolet, up to his credit, has had a plan. They're executing it right now. Sometimes it takes a little bit longer. Uh, Mark Scheifele, though, I will say this. From talking to people around here at the draft and a number of people that uh, pre-tied in, uh, in you know, on the inside, it's a little surprising that there maybe hasn't been a little bit more outward interest in Mark Shifley, but mm-hmm. the center market certainly doesn't have any big names on the trade, uh, uh, sorry, on the free agent market come, uh, come Saturday. So I have a feeling that there will be some more discussions. We'll probably hear some more things about Shifley. Whether or not he's moved remains to be seen, but there are teams like, for instance, the Boston Bruins, yeah. who, as we understand, are operating as if both Bergeron and Krejci will not be back. That's a massive hole down their middle. Yep. And uh, Mark Scheifele having six straight uh, point-of-game seasons and last year scoring 42 goals certainly could provide a heck of a lot of offense. Whether he's a Boston Bruins type of player, I guess, remains to be seen. But, uh, I mean, there's a scarcity on the market of uh, top-scoring centers, and Mark Scheifele certainly one of them. Now, uh, with the Jets, now, are they going to be okay with heading into the 2023 season with Connor Hellebuck still? On, I, obviously, they'd be, hell yeah, we'd have, we'd love to have 37 in our net uh, going forward this year. Obviously, with that in, intact, you're going to be, you, you want to be a playoff team. Now, obviously, is there any, could they repair anything with Connor Hellebuck? I know it was like Dubois let them know a year out that he wasn't going to be back. Is there any sort of sense that they could maybe repair something with Hellebuck and that he could possibly want to resign? Yeah, you know what? It's sort of different. I mean, the Hellebuck situation, I think, is more of a big picture thing. I mean, yeah. he, I mean he signed a six-year extension in Winnipeg. Yeah. It wasn't like he's been trying to get out the whole time. I think at his point in his career, having just turned 30 years old, he is wrapping his head around, uh, you know, one final contract and where he wants that to be. Mm-hmm. And uh, unfortunately for not just Winnipeg, but I think a lot of Canadian teams, uh, there's a lot of uh, particularly American players that, you know, sort of look like uh, they uh, would prefer to be south of the border at some point. Mm-hmm. I, I really don't think it has much to do with the, the Winnipeg Jets. Although the one thing that I think would change things is if the Jets were coming off a better season and were in a better position to truly compete for a Stanley yeah. Cup because I think that's what Hellebuck wants the most. He's won a Vesna trophy. He's been nominated a couple of times. Uh, it's about winning and it is about, you know, the long-term spot for he and his family. So, I mean, I've always said money can change a lot of things yeah. and uh, a massive offer to Hellebuck to, uh, you know, will put him uh, set for life maybe does turn it around. And if he is with the club at the beginning of the season, 
I don't know if that's preferable for the club because, man, it makes it hard to trade a guy like that, uh, you know, mid-season or at the deadline if you are competitive, which they likely will be. Um, but for a team in the Jets' position, you just simply can't allow a player of the value of Connor Hellebuck yeah. to, to walk for nothing at the end of the season. So it is a bit of a predicament, and it'll be interesting to see what we hear and see happen over the course of today because I think once you get past the first round of the draft, today in particular, mm-hmm. I think it becomes a heck of a lot harder to make that deal in the off season. Uh, but the other side of things is the cost of Connor Hellebuck. I mean, what he will require to be extended. And certainly, as you saw in the Dubois deal, I mean, the ability for the Winnipeg Jets to do a sign and trade allowed them to get the ransom that they did get back. Yeah. Hellebuck won't need that sign and trade, but teams are going to need to know his ask and realistically what it's going to take to keep him beyond this year if they're going to match Kevin Chevalier's asking price for uh, one of the top goaltenders in the NHL. Well, yeah, because I just wonder what, what contender out there could afford a $10 million goalie. You know what? It's a, it's a great question. Um, you know, we have heard New Jersey yeah. is a team that <clears throat> I think is a nice fit, and I do think that there would be an interest of Hellebuck to, mm-hmm. uh, to sign there. <clears throat> you got a ton of young talent. They had a great breakout season this year. He certainly seemed to be on that ascension. But you're right. Mm-hmm. I mean, swallowing eight figures for a goaltender is something that, um, well, listen, it's been problematic. I mean, yeah. Bob obviously went on that great run for the Florida Panthers, but I'm not suggesting Hellebuck would go the road of Bob where he loses his job for a couple of years yeah. and has to come back in some miracle fashion like happened this year. Um, that being said, I think teams value and know what they'll get in Connor Hellebuck, which is, mm-hmm. I mean, a guy that's going to be there four to five nights, uh, four to five games a year and give you elite-level goaltending consistently. Never gets hurt. Um, so, uh, listen, uh, these teams will certainly have interest, but I think there will be some level of negotiation. And to be honest, from Hellebuck's standpoint, if he is able to get the length of the deal, like yeah. a seven- or an eight-year extension, which would take him to 38 or 39 years old, I have a feeling they might be able to come down a little bit on the ask of the AAV and make it a little bit more manageable yeah. for teams. And let's not forget, I mean, next season he has a contract. The cap is expected to go up considerably the following year Mm -hmm. when this extension would kick in. So I still think there's a lot of moving parts or a lot of balls in the air, at least, when it comes to Hellebuck and interest from teams around the league to the Jets. We're talking with uh, Andrew Hustler-Patterson, host of Winnipeg Sports Talk, live in Nashville. Uh, the Jets hold the pick number 18. Now we, we've, we've heard it this week. The mm-hmm. Americans want to want us go play at home, it seems like. And the Jets have been a team since they got to Winnipeg. They historically love to draft Americans. Now, is that something they would still like to go at 18? I know they've gone forward heavy the last few drafts, and they obviously they love their mm-hmm. Americans. What do, you, what do you think the Jets might do at 18? Hmm. Well, you know, I mean, it's it's funny you bring up that topic of, uh, you know, how many Americans they have drafted. You're exactly right. I mean, it just seems like there's been so many top players. I mean, with the exception of Josh Morrissey, yeah. um, you know, they've not really gone to uh, the Western Hockey League. Or I guess Perfetti is one that's, uh, he's Canadian, he's coming well, up. But yeah, outside, it's been Americans. I mean, yeah, those are the two guys. Um, and listen, the guys that they picked have been really good players. Oh, yeah. I mean, you certainly can't get on the Jets for not getting good talent and having guys that have turned out. But I do think that, you know, at least phys- uh, at least philosophically within the organization, I have a feeling that we might see more of a move to guys with Canadian passports and potentially in the Western Hockey League. 
But here's the thing. Uh, at the end of the day, this is about talent. This is about mm-hmm. getting the best player in your into your organization. And I think more often than not, the passport will be a secondary consideration as far as what these young players can do on the ice. Because as we know, you got them for the first seven years of their careers. And, uh, and you know, up until this point, I mean, if you look back historically with the number of those players, including Americans and Europeans, the Jets actually have done a very good job of signing oh, yeah. guys to extensions Second contract, into, so. US, into UFA years. Yep. No, yeah, they have done a very extremely good job at doing that. Uh, for sure. T- uh, do you have a take on the, the Tyler Toffoli deal here in Calgary uh, that they made yesterday? It's kind of been a mixed bag from Flames fans. I mean, it's, it's a player coming off of a career year, but he's an older player, probably not going to hit those heights again. And they get a, and maybe a reclamation project in Yegor uh, Sharangovich. What, uh, your thoughts on the Toffoli deal? Yeah, I mean, I was, you know, from a Calgary standpoint, maybe a litter, a little underwhelmed. Yeah, yeah. Um, o- o- only for the fact that, I mean, I think so highly of Tyler Toffoli, and the guy is, I mean, he has absolutely proven himself to be, um, you know, a reliable workhorse forward that pretty much every team needs. I think we saw with the return for, for Dubois and Toffoli, it says one thing. I mean, age is everything right now in the National Hockey League. And, um, you know, this is probably not fair to call Tyler Toffoli a diminishing asset because of the way that he's played when he's been with the Calgary Flames. I just sort of thought that, you know, he, he, has, he has played at a high level. He's got the deal for this mm-hmm. year. I thought the value might be more than what it was with Sharon Govich and, uh, and the third rounder coming back. But to be honest, I, I think Craig Conroy, much like Cheval Dayoff and some other Canadian GMs are, you know, somewhat painted into a corner. And I know that's not something that they wanted to have lasting through this week. Mm -hmm. Um, They need to make decisions, move forward. And could the return have been a little bit better? I think from a Flames fan standpoint, you would have liked it to be. Um, But they got to hope that Sharon Govish comes in and kind of blossoms in his new home. And uh, the bottom line is you're talking about trading one year of Tyler Toffoli. Um, Not, uh, I mean, there's no extension that was involved in it as well. So, a little bit different than, uh, you know, a sign-and-trade with an eight-year extension for a player like PLD. I've been kind of uh, kicking this around in my head the last few weeks, just hearing the the news from Winnipeg and Calgary. And these two teams just seem like they're, they're two of the same. They're two Western Canadian, smaller market clubs that are kind of at a, a crossroads with where they want to go. Do you kind of get that sense? <clears throat> uh, absolutely. I mean, I can tell you 100% the Winnipeg Jets are in that, in that case. And, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the Flames, the Flames are so fascinating because they came off uh, the previous season where they were one of the top teams in the league. Last year, things really sort of fell apart. I mean, the team didn't make the playoffs. And next thing you know, Brad Treleving and Daryl Sutter, I mean, all the architects mm-hmm. of the team that was a legit Stanley Cup contender are gone. And, uh, I mean, I think that the crossroads has almost been passed. I mean, you've yeah. got a new head coach. You've got a new general manager. And it, in some ways, it's sort of a clean slate. <clears throat> Excuse me, but for a fan's perspective, I mean, that's a lot of change in a very quick period of time that is a little bit hard to swallow. That being said, I'll say this for both Calgary and Winnipeg. Great NHL markets, mm-hmm. great fan bases. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when things are going well, it's a fun place to play. It's fun to be a Winnipeg Jet when the team is, uh, you know, in the playoffs. It's fun to be a Calgary playing when they're having a great season the way they did a couple of years ago. And, I think there still is a lot of talent in both of these rooms. And I'll tell you what, it would be good for hockey. It would be good for the National oh, yeah. Hockey League if both of these teams can sort of rebound 
from tougher seasons last year, and I get going back in the right direction. Got a couple more minutes before you got to get to the Gabe Velarde introductory uh, press conference. But uh, to, to get your thoughts on the CFL right now, uh, the Bombers, they were humbled at home against the Lions this past week. Uh, they're at home this weekend, or they're in Montreal on Canada Day. Uh, early thoughts on the Bombers season, and uh, maybe just through four weeks, how you're how are you viewing the CFL? Because I'm thinking, you know, there's there's always feels like there's a ton of injuries at this time of year, but it seems like they're more dramatic and long term now. Well, yeah, I mean, the whole injury situation is uh, is I mean, really unfortunate that this early in the season, uh, you know, with some big name players being out for uh, for the year. As far as the Bombers go, though. If you had asked me this question a week ago, Patrick, I would have been like, hey, man, business as usual, yep. the standard in the CFL, the team to beat. Um, that was an absolute ass-kicking that the BC Lions gave them here in Winnipeg uh, in Winnipeg last week. And even more incredible, I just remember leaving the game and talking to some fans afterwards and on Winnipeg Sports Talk the next day. Yeah. like That was the first time the Bombers had lost at home to a Western team since 2018. Yep. I mean, just to put into perspective about how good, consistent, and dominant this team has been. Um, but they got steamrolled by BC. The BC defense was yeah. so impressive in that game. Uh, and, you know, I, I, we've heard from, uh, from the Bombers, the O-line guys yesterday spoke. They said it felt like uh, a bit of a nightmare. Um, sometimes, you, uh, sometimes you get a bit of a, a wake-up call or some tough medicine, and uh, I think that's what happened. It'll be very interesting to see how this team responds to it. I'll say this, but I don't think the Montreal Alouettes are in a good position this week because that is <laughs> going to be one ornery pistol oh, yeah. that goes into, uh, that goes in, uh, goes into Montreal. Um, but you know what? I have to give credit where credit is due. The BC Lions look like they, look they are the real deal yeah. and they are going to be an absolute problem for the rest of the league. Uh, and to be honest, the most interesting thing to me outside of uh, that is, What's happening at Edmonton? Mm, I mean, I know Chris Jones had a pretty good pedigree. They're running it back. Uh, you know, his questions about personnel and particularly the quarterback situation is being being questioned. And you do wonder about the culture that Chris Jones has, been, has brought to uh, Edmonton. That's something that I think you know, as much as he's had results in other places that he's been, um, you know, his concept of building a team and the type of players that they have uh, does not always work, especially when things aren't going well. And I fear that it's on the verge of imploding. And the worst part about it is that is such a great CFL market. And you can only lose game after game after game at home until it really, really takes a toll on the vibrancy of the team and the community. And unfortunately, I think that's sort of where they're at right now in Edmonton with uh, this struggling Elks team still without a win. Yeah, Elks into Ottawa this week. Thank you so much, Andrew. Uh, before you go, where can we find uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk? Uh, you know what? We're on every day, 1 o'clock Central Time noon, uh, on our YouTube channel for a couple hours. Yeah, noon Calgary time. Um, and uh, probably the best place to go is wherever you get your favorite podcast. Just fire in Winnipeg Sports Talk. Hit sub. And uh, obviously we talk all sports, but focus on our Winnipeg teams. But uh, that includes a lot of CFL and a lot of Canadian hockey talk, too. So, uh uh, appreciate you having me on, Patrick, and uh, enjoy the draft. It should be a very interesting night. Thank you. You as well, buddy. Uh, enjoy Nashville. Enjoy tonight. Uh, we'll do this again soon. <laughs> right on. Take it easy. Thank you. There you go. There's uh, Andrew Hustler Patterson. You can follow him on Twitter at HustleRama. Uh, GVP, a uh, little thoughts on the uh, Winnipeg Jets uh, tonight. Uh, what do you think they might do at 18? Uh, 
if he, I, I'm throwing that at you. I know you probably haven't really looked, but what, I haven't looked this, too too much. But you know, they're kind of in a similar situation as the Flames, obviously picking around that that middle marker. But mm-hmm. this draft is deep enough to where a lot of these players that are might fall to 15 or even towards that 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 20 spot. They they could have been in the top 10 to 12 in other drafts, in my opinion. So there is a lot of upside for for Winnipeg here, but. Like you said earlier with uh, Hustler, just earlier that mm-hmm. they've been a lot of they've been really American heavy, and it's been a, a big trend for American players not necessarily wanting to play here in Canada. So it'll be interesting how they approach the draft going forward here. Yeah, I mean they're uh, they're obviously in a position like their last four uh, four last four first round picks were all used on forwards: Rutger, Ruck, Rutger McGrory, Brad Lambert, Chaz Lucius, and Cole Perfetti, two Americans, a Finn and a Canadian in there. Uh, they need defense. Yeah, I think defense like uh, Dmitry uh, Simashev is a guy that I've I, I would see possibly going to the Jets, uh, and if they want to keep in Canada, like Brandon Yeager is a good pick, uh, uh, Samuel or Samuel Honzek, you know, there's some guys around that spot I think they can make. But again, yeah, like Calgary and Winnipeg, kind of in similar situations. But on to be fair to Winnipeg, they've changed the coach, but they have not changed the GM since they got to. Since I came from Atlanta, it's been kind of consistent in that front office for so long. Winnipeg and here in Calgary, it's been kind of a mixed bag over the last few years. Obviously, Tree had some stability, but now it's obviously a new new regime in charge. Kind of a new regime. It's not like Craig Conroy hasn't been around for the last decade or so. Uh, but yeah, that was Andrew Hustler Patterson joined us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. 15 time Consumer Choice Award winner at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. For pickup or delivery, call 403 248 44. It's a busy day on the station up uh, coming up. We got the Jeff Merrick show. Of course, we'll get you all uh, get you ready for the NHL draft. Matt Marchese hosting there. Uh, Logan Gordon will have Sportsnet today, getting you ready for the draft. And then, of course, Pat and Aaron live from Nashville will take you uh, Flames Talk at four o'clock, five o'clock for round one of the NHL draft. And uh, you can listen to it right here on Sportsnet 960 Fan or watch it over on Sportsnet. West round the corner. Uh, we'll, we'll keep the Flames conversation going. I had a good chat about uh, the trade that happened yesterday. Tyler Toffoli being sent to New Jersey for Yegor Sharangovich and a third round pick that was originally Calgary's that they sent away in the Cali Yarncroke trade last season. Uh, we'll keep the Flames talk. We'll keep the hockey chat going next as Big Show Hour Four continues here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.